0: الحمد لله، ثم الحمد لله، الحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا قيما، ينذر بأس شديدا من ويبشر المؤمنين الذين يعملون الصالحات أن لهم حسنا ما فيه أبدا، ويُنذر الذين قالوا اتخذ الله ولدا. ما لهم به من علم ولا لآبائهم كبرت كلمة تخرج من أفواههم إن يقولوا لا كذبا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وإليه تصير الأمور وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا محمدا عصده ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا وداعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا فهو الرحمة المهداء والنعمة المستاء والسراج المنير اللهم صل وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى آله الأطهار وأصحابه الأخيار ومن اتبع سنته وسار على نهجه إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فيا أيها الإخوة المؤمنون سلام الله تعالى عليكم الله وبركاته Dak把 imam مسلم عن ابي مالك الانصاري رضي الله عنه ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الطهور شطر الايمان والحمد لله الميزان والصبر ضياء والقران لك او عليك the holy prophet says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Purity is half of Iman. Alhamdulillah fills up the balance. The prayer is light. Charity is a proof. Patience is a luminosity. And the Quran is an argument for you or an argument against you. This is one of those and Kalim, one of those uh, hadith in which so many things are being put together. You could say, if you get all of these things right, then you've got your deen right, insha'Allah. But it begins with the principle of purity or purification. the al iman Purity is half of Iman. How can it be such? Well, do you think, from the conventional fiqh perspective, of course, everything is based on the foundation of the Tahara. On the basis of the Tahara, the prayer is valid or invalid. On the basis of the tahara, the ritual of Hajj is valid or invalid. Our recitation of Qur'an receives a reward that is greater or lesser. So many things are conditional upon having that foundation, that, as it were, watery foundation of the basic purification. But the ulama, looking at this, say it's not just about something that is of the surface. Purity is not just an outward thing. Purity refers to purity within as well. The, amongst the very first of the words that are given to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi عليه وسلم, in the house of Khadijah رضي الله عنها, يا أيها المدثر قم فأنذر وربك فكبر وثيابك فطاهر والرجل زافه He is told صلى الله عليه وسلم, O you wrapped in your mantle arise and warn and your Lord magnify and pollution shun and your garments purify now here is being told sallallahu that this is the beginning of the deen and the beginning of the deen is always these first principles of tahara and they are indeed the first things that we learn about when we open the books of fiqh and shari'ah it is the asl of the foundation but there's more to it than this so Ibn Juzay one of the great mufassireen, echoes the usual view when he says this goes on beyond the surface. The first Tahara referred to here in this commandment is uh, purity from outward impurities. Al ahdath wal That is to say, events that remove the wudu and substances that make it impossible for us to pray. Al ahdath wal But that's just the first stage where religion. Allah and his Prophet speak to us of purity. They're not just talking about that. As if once you've got the purity rules right and you've performed your rule, then your prayer will be the prayer of an angel. There's more. Purity is not just that. And then he says the second degree is ensure also that your heart and your intentions are pure. That's also a matter of purity. Because the word ikhlas itself refers to purity. Akhlasa. Means to make oneself, one's intentions, one's being, one's actions pure for Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, here is a sense of purity, obviously meaning something that is to do with what is within. And the third of the meanings that he brings in, in his tafsir on this ayah is that you have to make sure that your clothes are from a lawful source. That's why he goes on to say, purify your clothes. That doesn't just mean is there any impurity on them, it means see where they come from. And this is an important principle in our ethics and in our economics. We don't just wander into Next or John Lewis and pick things from the shelves without thinking about who put in those stitches. Where does this fabric come from? How much has the middleman been paid, and how much has the original Bangladesh worker in the sweatshop been paid? The Muslim is always concerned with these larger questions. And Ibn today writing 600 years ago says, this is a duty upon the Muslim. To have pure clothes means that you have to make sure that you know where they come from. You have to make sure that you're not strutting around in smart, fashionable clothes because somebody in Bangladesh has been paid, whatever the average is in the clothing industry there, seven P an hour. And that you pay 20 pounds for a nice T-shirt and you don't think about who's making the real profit. No, purity is also about economic purity. Which is why we also have the word Zakat for the basic financial obligation that every Muslim has. Why does zakat mean purity? Well, we all know this. It's because the wealth that we have is Allah Taala's gift and it comes to us from sources that we know and sources that may not be quite so clear and we don't know where our employer got something from, for instance. We don't know what the bank has been doing with our money. We don't know so much. And so we need to feel that it's pure for us to use so that what we do with it brings us barakah. So that when we spend it on our dependents or on our halal needs, it brings us khair and barakah, and that the money in our pocket is not contaminated. Now, we do this, of course, by bringing out the zakat, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His mercy for this has made it quite a small thing. One fortieth of one's wealth shouldn't really be noticeable. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you do this faithfully, honestly, uh, the rest of your wealth is halal for you, insha'Allah something outrageous has happened, you know that you've stolen it or some major sin has been involved in its acquisition, but inshallah money that comes to you in the normal way is pure for you, is muzakkar, is purified. So it turns out that we have this idea of purity all over the place in the religion. The purification of the ihram, for instance, before we go on the hajj, purification of the zakat. Fasting is also a form of purification. This is really important and that's one reason why we get it right at the beginning of the revelation to the Holy Prophet sallallahu wasallam, We know that it can refer also to our morals. Often we say, that's a good clean thing to do, or that's a filthy thing to do, that's disgusting, and we link it psychologically to dirt, to physical impurity. Sometimes people use obscenities to refer to ugly forms of behaviour, to impure forms of behaviour. So, what is it that the people of Lord salam says? Say, and the response to him of his people was simply that they said min hmm. Drive them out of your village. They are people who like purity. It's not really talking about whether they kept their wudu, presumably. It's talking about a moral purity and a moral probity. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala uses this language of Tahara primarily in the Qur'an in the context of inward purity. And we find this again and again. wa yuhibbu al So often we find this idea, Allah loves those who frequently make tawbah and He loves those who are pure or who purify themselves. Now what's going on here, well what's going on is good psychology and a recognition of what's intrinsic to human nature. That we know that there is a link between the body and what the body does, and what happens to the body, and our inward state. So quite often, if we've been sort of in a horrible situation, one of the instincts that we have, and psychologists will will tell you this, is that we want to take a shower, we want to clean up, we want to sort of shudder, as it were. It's a cathartic reaction. physically put a distance between ourselves and the ugly thing that has just happened to us. Psychologists call this the Macbeth effect. You may remember in Shakespeare's play Macbeth, she has this blood on her because she's just committed the act of murder and she can't get rid of it. Out vile spot, one of the best-known lines in Shakespeare. She has, despite her evil, the desire to, to purify herself, to wash To be clear, and this is very frequently the case, not just with people who have been the victims of crimes, particularly crimes against their own person, people who have been beaten up or raped or whatever, very often they do want some kind of physical act of purification, whether or not they have any religious identity. But also the culprits themselves, because the culprits themselves have polluted their hearts, and they know that they've gone against something that is basic to the fitrah, because these commandments do not lie do not commit adultery, do not kill, all of these are fundamental in the human psyche. And people know them by intuition, even before wudu is even before revelation comes to clarify these things and to explain their boundaries, human beings have this. Little children have an awareness of right and wrong. Little children are outraged when somebody cheats them or breaks a promise or tells a lie. It's in the fitrah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened the human heart to virtue as something that's natural within us. This is why he says, We've ennobled the descendants of Adam. We have this natural dignity. We walk on two feet, unlike any other species, in order to indicate that we are dignified beings. So this language of purity is something that seems to be, again, deep-rooted within us. At some very basic primordial level, we have this. And this is one thing that we can use actually to apply to our own lives and our own inward situations. Because there's a kind of automatic scanner within the soul that can tell us intuitively, unless we're really rotten and kind of completely blind to the suffering of others or the misery that we cause to others or to ourselves, there is that intuition, this basic firasa, this basic intuitive morality which human beings possess. And we can often find ourselves lifted out of the mess that we get into when we use this language of purity and impurity. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites us to the garden where there is no impurity at all. And our hearts crave a place of light and beauty and nature and the symmetry and crystalline perfection of paradise. Far, far from the corruption that generates impurity in this physical world. And also far, far from the corruption that is in the heart biggest in paradise, there's no level and no theme. There's no lying, there's no loose talk, there's no stupid talk, there's no slander, there's ugly things that bring darkness to the heart. Illa salama salama. Only words, peace, peace. But who doesn't crave that? In our mixed-up world, where light and darkness seem impossible to disentangle, where purity and impurity seem to come together, who doesn't crave that? To be lifted out of it. And this is the darus salam, the abode of wholeness, to which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is summoning us. So we crave that. And we create some kind of likeness of that in our lives. We want to lead good, clean lives in our heart of hearts. And we have this understanding within ourselves that when we do something that really is wrong, we feel soiled by it. We might not be able to resist that temptation. Hmm? Nobody's looking. Let me do this thing. I'll get away with it. I deserve it. I need a break. It's not so bad. I've got some weird sharia interpretation that perhaps will make me feel that this is halal. All of those arguments that the lower self and the shaitan play with us in order to drag us down into the muck. And once we've done that thing, there's the sense of impurity, the sense of nausea, the sense of darkness, the sense of sorrow, the sense of helplessness, and often depression, depression, clinical depression, can result from people doing things that they thought would cheer them up. They thought they'd have a flutter at the racetrack. They thought they'd do online gambling. They thought they'd play around in some way that's haram in order to cheer themselves up, and in fact, because they know, as ultimately decent Adamic people, that those things are dirty, corrupt, impure, nudges, they feel the sickness of it afterwards. So the wisdom of the human being is to see, I want to have a state of my soul that makes me feel good, that makes me feel upbeat, that makes me feel that my inward is as clean as I make my outward. In the morning I spend a lot of time in the shower and I put the gel on my hair and I use the men's cosmetics and all this stuff that the men are now into, looking good externally. I want my interior to be better than that. <coughs> and this is why we have the du'a of the mirror, which is a beautiful du'a, there's mirrors everywhere, so we should be saying this du'a a lot every time we go to the supermarket or to the shop or the restaurant, there's mirrors, so let's learn the du'a. Allahumma ahsanta Oh Allah, you've made me physically good, so make my character good as well. What a beautiful dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been generous in giving us um, so many good things externally. Uh, And we need to open ourselves up to his gifts, which he's waiting to give us if only we open our hearts and learn right from wrong through learning the sharia and the sunnah of the chosen one, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this matter of purity is a subtle thing, and that's why we say half of iman iman is not really belief iman is a deeper thing and a more slippery thing that's rooted in the heart and the qalb and we know that the hadith says that the heart of allah's servants is between two of the fingers of ar-rahman and he turns it as he will kama the heart has funny moods we're responsive to the weather we're responsive to other people's expressions we're very internally unfixed we're in a state of flux we're vulnerable that's where we're most vulnerable. Heart is the most tender part of us, except those, of course, who are hard-hearted and just don't have that empathy or affect. But that's that's unusual. It's not normal for human beings. That's an illness. That's a, an incapacity. That's a blockage. So we have this within ourselves, and we want to be inwardly clean, and we should have that conversation with ourselves. Do I want to be happy? Do I want to think of myself as being essentially a person who lives a clean life? Or do I want to walk around the streets happy that nobody knows what I'm really getting up to? My ugly private habits, Whatever it is that I'm looking at, or I'm talking to, or doing, or consuming, or all of those things that are super abundant in today's world. And very easy often for students as well as others to access. Things that actually promise so much, but in fact deliver only that sense of sickness. That nausea the morning after. The shaitan promises But his promises are only deceit, misguidance, and the sickness that results. When one realises, when the scales fall from one's eyes, that actually, of course that was a sin, and why do I know it was a sin? Because I can see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden it in order to protect me. His rules are only there to save me from myself, or to save others from myself. His rules have no other purpose. So we need to remember this, and inshallah get into this mindset of experiencing purity and impurity, to recognize things as being good and pure and wholesome and what Allah (laughs) subhanahu wa ta'ala wants and what have their natural source and place of return in the garden and those things that are to do with the corruption that is part of this material mortal world, the world of decomposition, the world of bad smells, the world of bad habits, the world of bad attitudes, uh, those things that actually bring us into darkness, even though sometimes, especially now they can be tricked up when people are trying to make money out of your weaknesses, as something that will bring you happiness, but usually it doesn't. And usually people have been right down to the bottom of the sewer and have seen how ugly things and how extreme things can get if we just follow those lower impulses. They often are the ones who bounce out of it and become the best Muslims because they can see the wisdom of the prophetic boundaries. And they can see that the human soul cannot be nourished on filth. The human soul craves that which is pure. This is why the Holy Prophet sallam at the highest moment of his career, when he comes close to the presence of his glorious Lord, he is offered the glass of wine and the glass of milk. And he chooses the glass of milk. And he is told by the, <coughs> by the angel, alayhi <coughs> salam, <coughs> Udi fitrah, you've been guided to the fitrah. Because milk, in its pure form, is something that is extraordinarily pure. Where does it come from? The Qur'an says it, becomes between, it comes from between the blood and the filth of the cow, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought this purity out. And the Holy Prophet is the man of the fitrah, who is the one who is helping us to get back to that in which is our happiness. And the one who is trying to push us away from plunging into the interesting but deadly Fires of our own lower natures. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us people of tawbah, to make us people of tawara, to, to make us people whose inward nature is better than our outward nature, and to make our outward natures good as well, insha'Allah. Barakallahu fi kum. Akulu kawli wa astaghfirullah ha diwala khum wa muslimin innahu huwa al-ghazululul rahim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala أصيكم ونفسي بطقوة الله فإنه خير الزاد وإياكم مختثات الأمور فكل مختتة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار وعلموا أن الله قد أمركم بأمر عظيم أمركم بالصلاة والسلام على فاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين فقال جل ثناؤه إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا التسليمات اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميدٌ مجيد وبارك على محمدٍ وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميدٌ مجيد اللهم إننا نسلك الرضاق والجنة فنا أعوذ بك من سختك والنار ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وحبلنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ووافق اللهم وُلَاتِ أمور المسلمين إلى العمل بكتاب الله وصنة سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعزكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنون واقوم الصلاه